2: Hi everyone and welcome to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB 1240 AM. 95.9 on your FM dial. Mike Tres on hand along with Mike Godome for the next hour. We've got another big, big day in New York sports. Another huge show. Jets, big win. Giants, big win. Mets, fight until the end. For that division title, Yanks in the playoffs. We'll get to all of it before we get to any of it. Let me say hi to my co host, the coach, Micah Done.
3: Trez, what's going on? And and as you mentioned, we got a lot of things to talk about tonight. It's pretty interesting when the chase for sixty two home runs immortality might be the fourth most important story that we're <laughs> going to talk about right now. But uh yeah, big day here, two big wins with, with football. Mets scrapping as we're talking right now, and lot to get to.
2: And I dropped the ball, Mike, on social media. Where are we on social? Facebook,
3: Twitter, Instagram, at Talk, And then we have WGBBSportsTalk.com.
2: 516-623-1240. Six, six, That's the number to get in the batter's box and take a couple cuts with us tonight. We're going to talk some Mets to start off with. And to do that... We've got our Mets beat reporter. He is a member of the seven-line army, the man we call Cappy, Chris Caputo. Chris. What's up, fellas? Let's go. Base
1: hit Vogelbach. Mets take a 3-1 lead. Ah, oh, nice. nice.
3: That is that is up to the minute, folks. You can't get that on any other sports station.
2: So, Chris, I wanted to ask you, um listen, I don't want to start off with something negative, but... Degrom not really great the last couple outings. Had a tough time the other night. What do you think has gone on with him, Chris? I've, I'm sure you've heard a lot of the stuff about he's hurt or his heart is just not in it or you know he's ready to come away from the Mets and and fly down to Atlanta and be with them next year. What's going on with with Jake?
1: I disagree with all that stuff. I just think. Uh, they're hitting his fastball sometimes. I mean, the guy goes out there and he'll throw five no-hit innings for you, and then he's just had three outings in a row where he's getting hit well, and sometimes, you know, he went out west, and his stuff was off. He was walking a lot of guys. But, in reality, when a guy goes 40 consecutive games of three earned runs or less, you're going to tell me that the guy's tanking it? I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, and at some point he's going to show that he's, you know, not immortal. And... Um, you know, at that point, you just gotta kinda readdress where everything is, and is he your number one starter? I don't know, maybe at this point it's become Scherzer, but at this point the Mets have to go game to game, and he's one of your top three.
3: Kev, speaking of Scherzer, you know, his outing last night a little uneven as well. What'd you take away from that one?
1: Well, I think with Scherzer, he's just over trying, you know, he's just throwing as hard as he can. The guy came back from being injured and had a perfect game through six innings, so last night, you know, you gotta give credit. I know, Trez, you tried to get me, like, a month or two ago to say that the, this, the, the uh, division was over. These guys were three games under 500, the Braves, as of June 1st. And now, they're over 40 games over 500. So, um, the Braves are a good team. And they hit home runs. They don't play small ball. I was telling Mike the other night that the Braves have zero sacrifice bunts this season. And there's no team that's ever gone with four or less. These guys swing for the fences. That's why Dansby Swanson's been hitting them. Matt Olsen's been hitting them. So guys who throw a hundred, they're going to get hit. I mean, even, you know, Edwin Diaz will probably give up a home run against a team like this because that's what the Braves do. You know, they, they zero in on that fastball. And then when they know, Hey, these guys are probably going to throw me the curveball in that two strike count, they're ready for it.
3: You know, I, I, we were chatting a little bit last night and I, I sent you something and I think you were so shocked you didn't respond. I, I couldn't believe when I, when I saw this as well that the, the Braves have struck out 270 more times than the Mets. Is that possible?
1: I guess so. I mean, uh, the Mets are are a contact team and the Braves are, uh, you know, trying to hit home runs and, uh, I guess that can happen, but, um, you know, I guess it just means the guys in the Mets are making contact. They're just not hitting the ball out of the park.
3: Well, you gotta give them a lot of credit for putting, you know, at least giving themselves 270 more opportunities to try to score a run. So while, while the, while the Braves might be, um, you know, on paper, you can you can say that they're perhaps a better team. The Mets are at least trying their best to scratch out runs and, and do what they can to win. So, as you mentioned, you know, Chris, it's three to one Mets going into it here. Um, going into tonight's game, you know, we we said earlier on, you know, who your number one is, whether you, whether it's Scherzer or DeGrom or whatever else. But you had Chris Bassett, you know, throwing tonight. He's he's given up one hit through through two innings. Um, looking looking for him in the postseason to be your number three guy
1: absolutely um and here's the thing though for the mets at this point as i said it's got to be day by day because you could be looking at having to make and again that's with a win tonight or if they lose tonight like somehow pulling off some miracle of making wednesday a a game that matters the grom's going to have to throw that game on wednesday whether trez you think you know, he's bombing it or, you know, being, you know, whatever it is. I'm not,
2: I don't think that. I'm telling you with some of the stuff I'm hearing out on the street. Yeah. I, I mean, I have no problem throwing him up against whoever Washington's putting up to the
1: plate on the last day of the season at four o'clock when their bags are they packed for wherever they're going. Um, even though Sandy Alcantara will not be pitching for the Marlins against the Braves on Wednesday, which makes me a little upset. But anyway, um, I would say that whoever has to be that starter is. So if DeGrom's pitching on Wednesday and the Mets happen to not win the division and they have to play Friday night, Scherzer's your number one, Bassett's your number two. And then at that point, if you can throw DeGrom in game three, you do. Because I think at that point you're you're in a five game series. You really only need three. And then I would say they probably keep one extra guy on the roster of of Walker or Carrasco for um for a short series but again that's the best two out of three you've got to go three days in a row so if the Grom has to pitch wednesday and they're in a three-game series you're looking at thursday friday saturday he can't pitch in the third and deciding game so you're going to need a different guy to pitch your deciding game so think about it that way too
2: so i'm not wor- i'm not wishing it on you chris but if you do have to go the wild card route it looks like you'll get san diego in the first round what would be your worry factor uh, about that um, particular series?
1: You know, I think it's just for the Mets uh, just not getting, getting out to uh, a, a, an early lead. I think when the Mets score first, they're okay, especially playing all three games at home, having Diaz in the bullpen. I really, you know, it's more just getting enough out of your starters early that you can get a good six. And uh, I think Buck has to get to a point where he only trusts certain guys. I don't want to see Tyler McGill. I don't want to see Joely Rodriguez. You know, I want him to be going, you know, basically starter out of Vino Diaz game. That's it. But I think for the Mets, it's you can't be in a situation where it's 2 nothing in the fourth inning and you're trying to get runs. The Mets don't play long ball, you know. They, they could start getting into a situation where they're not hitting some of the San Diego starters. So I would say more batting and not getting out
3: to an early lead. Cap, you spend a lot of time out at City Field, you know, certainly as as trez mentioned earlier, you're a member of the 7 line army, which is fantastic. You're there quite a bit. Um, you know, we've taken in a couple of games together. Do you feel, you know, as you spend more and more time, is it something that if the if the Mets don't win the division, um it, is the fan base, the people out there, is it a major disappointment, or is it, you know what, we've been we've been down for so long, it's it's a great turn of events. Although you know we fought, maybe maybe the division doesn't come through this year, but everyone's just happy that we're in the postseason. Or is it really a feeling of, oh man, you know, the, the air is out of the balloon somewhat?
1: It's an interesting question. I mean, the Mets are going to probably win a hundred games at this point. They're at ninety-eight with four to go. Um, if you're going to tell me before the season starts, the Mets are winning 100 games, I'm taking it. Like, no doubt. It's just that the Braves are a World Series champion team that just didn't want to quit. Ten and a half games out as of June 1st. So, I would say, if you look at social media, I mean, it's like, fire the manager, get rid of this guy, sure. But for the most part, no. I mean, it's a good season. The only thing is, like, I think most people say, when you have guys like Scherzer DeGrom and, and Bassett, you could win any series. A short series, a long series, whatever it is, and pitching matters. So could the Mets win the World Series having to play through the wild card? Yes. But does it make it less likely? Absolutely. You'd rather have the time off, give these guys some rest, have to play Tuesday instead of Friday, play a best of five against a team that just played two or three games, and then kind of see what happens from there. If you win that series, maybe you play the Braves, maybe you play the Dodgers, whatever it happens to be at that point. But I don't think it's a disappointment to not win the division. I think it's a disappointment to not win a series. You have to win the wild card and get yourself to that next series. And if you happen to get that by, you've got to win that next series and put yourself in. Now, if you lose to the Dodgers, so be it. These guys are unbelievable as well. Um, but I think this is the shot for the Mets to go for it. Uh, is everybody healthy? I don't know. I think we'll find out at some point whether or not these guys are throwing with some type of injuries. But, um... The Mets had a great year so far, and I just, I just want to see them go back home all even. But again, let's talk about this. If the Mets are all even tonight, that means they went 10 and 9 against the Braves. That means they're a half game up. Which means if they win out, they're automatically in. And if they win 2 out of 3 and the Braves win 2 out of 3, they're, they're in. That, that, that's a huge advantage to win the season series. And the Mets fans better show up. Tuesday, I know we're going into a Jewish holiday, but Tuesday night, they better show up. Wednesday night, they better show up. Or Wednesday afternoon, um, I think this could be a really, really exciting season. And it's really the only thing left in the regular season that anybody in Major League Baseball has to look forward to.
2: I wasn't sure I was going to ask you about this one, Chris, because obviously guys like you and even Coach Mike are not to blame. But uh, Met fans broadly have taken a little bit of criticism down the stretch here um, for – not showing up, as you mentioned, uh to some of these really important games down the stretch. Do you feel some of that criticism is warranted? And what's your sort of point of view towards your fellow Met fans as we come down the stretch to these very last few? If
1: Pete Alonzo is chasing some home run record, that place is full. If Jacob DeGrom has the ability to be a 20-game winner, that place is full on that night. But the Mets fans are not showing up on September 26th with 10 games to go they're just not doing it the prices are expensive you know going there every day is tough now are there 28,000 people there yeah sure should there be 40 50,000 yeah but on the weekends you got bobbleheads you got this people are showing up people can kill them all they want but for the most part you know when they need them there they're there um i i don't know i i don't know the answer to why you can't get a full house on a you know, on a Wednesday night when you're, you know, a week away from the season to be done, but I don't kill any Mets fans. I've gone to 19 games, both, you know, home and road. I'm 16 and three as a fan. So I guess I probably got to find a way to go to all three games if they win tonight.
3: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, anybody would take that 16 and three. My gosh. One last thing, you know, as, as I'm watching the play by play as we're talking, um, James McCann. Ended oh, the in- yeah, he-, <laughs> he ended the inning. Don't want to. Be- we, we've we've given James McKenna enough grief, you know, between the, the two of us and some of our other friends. He, he
1: can't play, Mike.
3: No, I, I know he can't. But but besides that, besides him, let's just take him out of the equation, um, or maybe we add him to the equation. We, we talked about pitching uh, from a hitting standpoint, from a from a position player standpoint. Uh, anybody else? give you a little bit of agita there, you know, besides the catching scenario, or uh, are we feeling pretty good about all the bats, you know, with the exception of McCann, when and if he's in the lineup?
1: No. Sterling Marte is what the Mets need. I mean, not having him in the lineup against the lefty, the Mets are in trouble. So if they're going to see a lefty, and we got to throw Guillaume at second, McNeil in left, and Nimmo in center, and now you got three lefties in the lineup, no good. Um, he's got to come back. The guy can't even grip a, a baseball on a bat right now. So they need that rest so that he doesn't have to play for another nine days or so. Um, so that worries me is throwing a, a guy out there who doesn't play every day. I'm so glad Escobar has gotten off the schneid and had a great September. Um, you know, Alonso's, I don't people are going to kill Alonso. He's leading the RB, RBIs in, in the NL. Um, but you can't put McCann out there. you got to put Nito out there uh connor does a great job lindor people are going to get on him but he's going to be okay but nito's got to play and i think for the postseason roster even though it sounds crazy you might have to put alvarez on there just to get that extra back darren ruff's not playing let's be honest i mean that guy's done um you know some of these other guys are going to come back and maybe they'll find their way onto the team but i think for the mets they're going to have some decisions to make for who's that that first guy off the bench or second guy off the bench, and also. Which guys are you really going to take in the bullpen? Because you got to, even though they're still fighting for a division, you've got to make up who's going to be your 26 uh, men that are going to be on the team.
2: Any update, Chris, or are we still at
1: 3-1? to one? Uh, We're in the top of the third. We had a foul ball from Connor that almost went over the bag, probably would have given the Mets a little bit more of a lead. But but bottom three, Mets are up 3-1. Um, I, I, I just, guys, I love Bassett. I just think he's a warrior. He just goes out there. It doesn't matter if he's pitching in Oakland, Atlanta, New York. He gives you a great chance to win every night, maybe gives you seven, eight innings. If he doesn't give you that tonight, fine, but I just love the fact that I'm talking with you guys four days before the season ends, which, again, think about this. This was supposed to be the last day of the regular season, and everyone would have played at 3.05 in the afternoon, and this would have been the ultimatum. We would have been talking knowing what the season was, but because of the lockout, they had to throw three extra games at the end, and we're ending on a Wednesday, so... This season's getting pushed back, but I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited that the Mets have gotten here because every year we're like, oh, maybe, maybe. And I'm watching the Yankees every year, people counting them out in April and May, and here they are, you know, eight, ten games up when we get to October.
3: Cap, we're, just, we're up against it, but just one last thing you mentioned. Uh, Alvarez, you know, in the catching spot perhaps putting him on the postseason roster. Uh, you know, he he got a couple of bats in this series, looked a little overmatched against Chance the other night. Um, do you feel it's kind of throwing him into the fire a little early, or let, let's get to it, you know, having him on the roster?
1: My only thing is, who's going to be the extra right-handed batter? You're going to put March Vientos out there. You're not going to put Darren Ruff. Alvarez at least makes – he hit the ball 400 feet the other night. Mm-hmm. You know, he grounded into a really, really hard double play. Yeah, he struck out because he was overwhelmed. He was trying to hit a home run in the last night. But I'd rather throw him to the Wolves than, you know, put up a guy who's done nothing, absolutely nothing since coming over. And then I sit there and watch J.D. Davis hit home runs for the uh, San Francisco <laughs> Giants. Well, now. But, um, but yeah, I think the Mets are going to be okay with their their main guys. It's when you have to make that adjustment. Because think about this. Terrence Gore has to make the lineup because when Vogelback gets that base hit, You need the fastest runner in the history of sports right now on the team. Right. So you're going to need some other guy to eventually bat for him, you know? So I think there's going to be some decisions for Buck, but I have to give him a lot of credit. The Mets are going to win a hundred games with a first year manager and uh, he's done a really good job. Pitching coach has done a really good job and I'm definitely excited. So as you can probably
2: tell. (laughs) Cap, great job. Listen, enjoy the rest of the game and good luck. And I really do mean that. Alright, we'll talk soon, guys.
3: Alright, let's go Mets. Thanks, Cap.
2: Let's go Mets. Take care. Alright, Mike. So, um, yeah, I didn't want to drill down too far on it. Do you think the thing with the attendance, has it bothered you at all to see, um, 5,000, 7,000 empty seats, uh, at City on, uh, on a weeknight when the Mets are in this type of intense, uh, pennant race?
3: It's, it's a legitimate question. You know, it, the other night I was there with, with Cap and it was, a... Uh, you know these games were important and it was in it was a 28,000 announced it was a beautiful night 28,000 announced crowd uh maybe there was 20 22 um not a lot of uh, electricity you know, and, and it was, like, like I mentioned before, these games are all important. And Carrasco was pitching that evening, got off to a, a shaky start. Um, you know, the, the people that were in the stands were, were, were happy and were there. But it, it's not a crowd that, that I would have been been proud to say, you know, this, this is a pennant race crowd. So um, I th- I think we have to take a little heat as Met fans that – um, you know what, the all the excuses there are none anymore. We've been waiting for a team like this to come through to finally in at the end of September, early October to represent and be in first place. A- and and let's go, let's get out there.
2: Five one six six two three twelve forty. After the break we're gonna dive into some football. We're also gonna ask you to call in, talk some football, talk some baseball. We're gonna talk some more baseball right now with our yankees reporter our yankees beat reporter we haven't spoken with him in a while he's calling us from his luxury compound north of the city and i mean way north of the city (laughs) and that is declan grogman deck what's up brother how are you trey and
4: coach so happy to be here chris great job as always good to have
3: you back on declan and and you know what um it as, as trez mentioned it has been a while but uh, your Yankees are, are, are doing their thing. Ninety-seven wins. You know, took a little bit of a nosedive there in mid-season, but have come back strong. Uh, have the have the biggest story going right now with Aaron Judge. You got to be happy.
4: Yeah, without question, it's it's always good when you're in September and now into October, and you're worried about individual accomplishments and not team accomplishments.
2: So it looks like um, the first round, Declan, we're either going to be playing Cleveland or we'll be playing, I mean, what will really be the second round, but for us, it'll be the first round. We'll be playing Cleveland or Tampa. Any preference there? Although, I think I know what you're going to say.
3: I think you started stunned. It's
2: there. tough.
4: It is tough. Um, I, personally, I do like the Yankees, the way they match up against the Rays. Um, I think that Cleveland is a hungry team, and while statistically the Rays might be better, I think the Yankees can match up well into a division, but I don't really have much of a preference. I'm fine either way. Um, I like the Yankees in both matchups.
2: Yeah, I just don't want to have to keep saying Guardians, you know. I know at some point I'm going to call them by that old non-PC name, but, um... Any word on Ben Attendee? Ben Attendee, you know, it was funny, Declan. I mean, he was finally doing a good job and getting big hits for the Yanks, and then all of a sudden he was hurt and we never saw him again. Uh, Do you think he'll come back in enough time to be uh, any help to us in that first round? Yeah,
4: I do. I think he's going to be potentially coming back in the first round. Remember, we got time after the wild card. He's going to sit likely the last four games of the year, uh, in Texas. Um, otherwise the Yankees do have some outfield depth that would give an opportunity. Um, excuse me, that Cabrera is solidified. The Yankees do have some outfield looks. Um, they could go Hicks. I'm not necessarily
2: in favor of that.
4: I'd like to see Benny
2: back. And what about the two kids? Do you think they'll be on the, um, on the roster in the first round, both Cabrera and Peraza, or are you going to take Cabrera and leave Peraza behind? I think really it all
4: depends on how Matt Carpenter is playing, but there is a scenario where you can bring them both on. So I, I love, I think Cabrera, first of all, is a shoe, and he's done an absolutely amazing job in the outfield. Um, and playing infield as well. Just his versatility in the playoffs down the stretch is going to be key for the Yankees, so he's absolutely a must. And
2: had some Um, pop lately, too.
4: Yeah, for sure. We've seen an uptick in pop from him. He's uh, really starting to come into into a really solid role with the Yankees. and it's It's been good to see. It's going to be exciting down the stretch in the postseason.
3: Declan, with with the the Yankees rotation you know always you you can you can point to that with any team there's very few teams that throwing out three four arms there that you say no matter who you start you got a great chance to win but obviously you know with the Yankees um, it starts and ends with Garrett Cole but um, you know you, you have nasty Nestor out there he's he had quite the game the other night um, tell me a little bit of your thoughts and, and maybe the general thoughts of the Yankee fans of of the, the rotation, the confidence in the rotation going past Garrett Cole and, and, you know, where you see it if you have to get into, you know, a little bit longer season. Um, you know, been a little bit of talk with Aroldis Chapman the, being, you know, uh, DFA'd, perhaps getting rid of him. So, you know, I'm getting a little ahead of myself with the bullpen. But talk to me a little bit about your thoughts with their starting rotation.
4: Yeah, I do feel very confident. Nestor Cortez is a guaranteed Game Two starter, and his numbers—just looking at them off the top—it's he's thrown over—he's thrown nearly 160 innings with a 2.44 ERA, um, a 3.13 FIP, and a sub-one WHIP at 0.92. He's got the lowest single-season ERA by a Yankees start, starting pitcher since Ron Guidry in 1978.
3: Wow. That that's um, some that's some uh, some elite company with that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you see a, a lefty with a mustache in New York <laughs> on the same list as Ron Guidry, it's just I can't describe the feeling. And the guy takes the four train to the stadium. He's just a great guy for New York, and I really love him in the rotation. Absolutely solidified it too. Um, and then Montaus, of course, being hurt, um, his deal is questionable. Um, but I've heard Boone has said that. They might want to come out and use him as an opener for 30 to 40 pitches and potentially pair him with Sevy or Italian. I don't think that J-Mo really deserves to be paired. I think that he solidified his spot at three with what he did this week um, and what he's done over the course of the year. I think that j is reliable. Um, he's solid. He's a really good pitcher, and he's going to be a nice three. Would it be nicer if he was a four? Yes, but right now I do feel confident with him at the three based on the competition in the American League and how the Yankees can hit and pitch.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Declan. I'm going to go Cole, and then I'm going to go Nestor at the stadium um, in, in Game 2. I'm going to go Tyon in Game 3. And what I think is interesting, though, is Game 4. Now, what are you doing with Sevy, and what are you doing with Herman? Are you using Herman as sort of a caddy for Sevy in a Game 4? Or how are you working that? Yeah, I think the big X factor
4: is if Montas can get healthy. Um, That doesn't seem like something that Aaron Boone was so keen about doing, so I don't necessarily see them going with him in game four. But it's always on the table because playoff baseball is completely volatile and and it's a monster and you're going to do whatever you need to do to win. I have to explain that, obviously, to Coach who won, what, what was the winning streak, 50... Well,
3: who's counting, but it was 54.
4: <laughs> 54, yes, exactly. I, I didn't want to short it and say <laughs> no, I 52 appreciate or that, 53. Thank you. I, I was thinking of Judge and Pete Alonso's rookie home run record, so I didn't <laughs> want to mix them up, but you topped them. Um, but, yeah, no, I feel confident with Herman as the caddy to Stevi. I think that's a really good idea with his arm. Um, I, You could argue that I I would argue that I feel more confident with Herman um, than Montas at this moment. Um, really, because Herman is Jordan Montgomery's re- replacement. Not to make everyone upset. Well, not to make Trez upset, because he could have been a really nice Game Three starter. Um, but Herman at the four to Seve is not is not the worst thing, I, and I'm pretty
2: pretty good with that. Yeah, I don't want to see Montas. You know, and I want to see Montas like next April in spring training. Hey, we'll see you then. You know, have a great winter, and, and thanks for the memories. Um, but I wanted to get to the bullpen with you, Declan. Mike brought it up, uh, a little bit, but, uh, I really want to drill down with you on it because I think it's the most interesting part right now. You know, Boone's been asked time and again and he keeps on saying, hey, you know what? We, we don't have a set, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth inning guy. We're going to play it by year every game. Um, who's in the circle of trust right now and who's out of the circle of trust? Well, before you even tell me that, let me, let me ask you. Does Chapman have a role on this team in round one? Yes or no? I think
4: depending on the situation, it could be possible. Only because now with the issue to Ron today, that was very unfortunate seeing his arm go down. It really, hopefully he can get back for the playoffs, but. As long as he's good, um, that would be nice to have him on the roster. But I am worried about that. As far as Chapman goes, um, I could see him in really some not necessarily long relief situations. But if they're down four runs and you want to throw Chapman, I, I don't see a problem with it. He, he does have postseason experience after all, and you know there is always that chance. I'm not saying he's going to ever be himself like like he once was or anything near the contract that he's up to right now. But aside from that. There is always that little chance that he can get together and be somewhat productive for the for the Yankees. We saw with Tim Lincecum when he was down and out in 2014 with the Giants and he was pitching one or two innings in relief against the Royals. You know, throughout that postseason run, he was capable. And I think if Chapman can be capable and control his fastball slider and that split change, it's a big question mark. But I would trot him out there in in really low-pressure situations.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the injury today to Marinaccio, who I've really liked all season long. Um, and if he's hurt and Chapman, you don't trust right now. Britain seems like he's hurt again. I don't want any part of Britain. Holmes, we don't know what we're going to get out of. That, that basically leaves Efros, LaWeisiger, and Schmidt as your three guys out of the bullpen. I don't know that I trust any of those guys in a big spot. Yeah, I'm not sure. What are your, um, I won't answer you this question before not answering, but Lucas Littke
4: is kind of on that bubble as well.
2: I, I honestly would rather see Lucas Littke than any of the guys I just mentioned, except maybe Efros uh, and 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 Loisega. You know, Schmidt has had done a nice job for most of the early part of the season. But he's a kid, too, Declan, and he's struggled down the stretch. I don't know what we're going to get out of him. So, honestly, I'd be more confident in uh, not just Lucas Lickey, but if we can get Wandy Peralta back, you know I'm a Wandy fan. Um, yeah. I- I'd rely on those two guys a little bit more than some of the guys we just talked about.
4: Yeah, I would love to see Wandy coming back and pounding some change-ups. Uh, I mean, he's a big-game pitcher. He comes in out of the bullpen, slapping himself in the face, all excited, He's an absolutely fired up playoff pitcher. Um, hopefully, I mean, I haven't seen him. We haven't seen him so much in the postseason yet, but I would love to see him more this year. Um, and he really is somebody who was good for them last year. Um, and when healthy, he, he is a really reliable lefty out of the pen. Um, so it'd be good to have him.
3: That kind of staying with the theme of, of, of injuries and, and who's coming back and who might fill in here. Um, I had a question. I, I read something very quickly today on Matt Carpenter. Uh, any any chance he's coming back? I know he's on the 60, 60 day IL, but there was some talk of maybe that he could make an appearance. Is is he someone to think about, or, or just put him out of our minds?
4: Um, he's absolutely somebody to think about. I think he's going to be on this playoff roster. Okay, they might try him one of the last uh, in the last one or two games of the series, um, in Texas. Whether that whether or not they do try him in those games remains to be seen. But I do think he's going to be a viable option on the playoff roster with his experience in St. Louis um, in the 2011, 2013 runs, um, and even the 2014 run as well to the NLCS. Um, it's just tough to leave him out, even over some young blood, if it does come down to that. But you can always mix and mix those pitchers. You take less pitchers um, than hitters, uh, and that's why you could see Clark Schmidt on the bubble. Um, but I don't really see a path where Matt Carpenter is not on this team unless he isn't healthy, but I I believe he's going to be good for the playoffs.
2: Hey, Declan, we're up against the break, but one last quick one for me. If you're Aaron Boone, are you giving Judge a day off, or are you trotting him out there until he hits number 62? Uh, I leave it up
4: to him if he wants to play during a doubleheader. He seemed on the fence about it today, um, but he did mention that there was a lot of time off, or a little time off, but a decent amount of time off, um, between the wild card and the, A- and the ALDS. So it's possibly plays four, but, you know, definitely, obviously, guarantee he plays three. But, I, I mean, I could see them definitely trotting him out.
2: Great job, my brother. Nice nice talking to you again. Thank you, guys. Great, Great to have you know. on again, Tech.
3: All right, stay well, and, and uh, looking forward to, to talking World Series, perhaps, or at least American League Championship Series baseball with you here down the stretch.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Nasty uh Cole and Nasty Nestor are not exactly DeGrom and Scherzer, but it'll be a very fun matchup.
2: Five one six six two three twelve forty. We're gonna step away, take a quick break when we get back. Football and your calls right after this on Sports Talk to you. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Sports Talk New York. Mike Trezza, Mike Godone with you until 9 o'clock tonight. We've got to get into some football. Big, big, giant win today, Mike. Big, big win. Jet win. We've got a caller on the line who wants to talk about. It. Let's go to Ray from Seaford. Ray, what's up?
0: What's up, Mike and Mike? Another great show. Thanks, Ray. You know so much. What a great day today, right? Giants and Jets winning. I mean, it's unbelievable. We actually have some hope in New York in the early season before uh, you know, as opposed to years past where we're buried in the first week of October with nothing to look forward to. So, kind of excited
2: about football. Absolutely, as well you should be. Zach is back and the J-E-A- and the J E T S are back in the wind column. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know it's such an exciting time for baseball. Also, Mets and Yankees in the playoffs, and you know I just wanted to touch real quickly on something. I, I know that there's a concern about the attendance. I think I, I, I caught just the last part of that, Coach, when when you were talking about going out to the Met game and yeah. and not seeing, you know, seeing the empty fans. Look, I I think it's you know. Coach I don't is ripping think apart
2: so. Met fans, Ray.
0: I don't know why. you oh, come Ah, oh, what a bad joke. I got
3: I got to tell the truth. <laughs>
0: Can I tell you something? I don't I don't think it's specific to Mets fans. I just think that, you know, you could walk into any Target or Best Buy or anything like that right now, go to the stores, you could buy a huge TV. I mean, I don't know. You could buy a 70-inch TV for less than a grand. And, you know, you get the the high-def package and everything else. You can flip channels but if you have multiple games going on at the same time. Or a night like tonight where you got baseball and football on. And, you know, it's – you. you it, there's nothing like being at a ball game, but you take a family of four or five to a ball game, and you know it's expensive, and and they kill you on the concessions, uh, you know, and and it's really, you know, I think it's just a reflection of the economy. I know that the Yankee fans are very passionate. I know that there are certain fan bases that obviously are draw a bigger crowd or whatever, but I really cut some slack to my Mel, my fellow Met fans and just say, look, it's expensive to go out there, and sometimes it's just more convenient to be home. I still think. I heard it years ago from somebody else, but when when the Mets are good... You know, this city is a Mets town, and I, no disrespect to, to Trez or other Yankee fans out there, but I think we're really fired up. I just think that some of us look at the, the, the cost of going to a game and saying, you know what, I'll just stay at home. And, yeah, and but I you can't say
2: that, good. right? You can't say it's a Mets town and then say we can't get 43,000 people in the park when, when, when we're fighting neck and neck for, for, the, with the Braves down to the last game of the season. How are we going to say I, both of those things? I Listen, I hear
0: you about that. I'm just saying that I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious to find out what attendance looks like across the board. I don't know how we would measure it, if we measure a team against team or we measure it, you know, this year versus last year versus five years ago or ten years ago. I look at it directly proportional to the price of TVs. And I say the more the TVs get cheaper and cheaper – and the quality gets better and better it's just easy to be at home you know you got a big screen tv and you, and you're you're there and you got all the food you want and you're paying a fraction of what it costs to go to a game i still think that the best bargain in sports is minor league baseball you know, it's like I, I like to go out
2: to the Ducks game a couple times a year, bring the family out there, you know. <laughs> oh, you say, you say something right? I, I think I nodded off there for a second. I'm sorry.
5: <laughs> Ray, i gotta,
3: I got I to piggyback on something. You bring up a great point. So I went to the game the other night, right? Been to a couple yeah. of games. I have not, I, truthfully, have not driven my car to, to City Field in quite some time. I always take the train. So let, okay. let, let, let's play the prices right here. Let's see if you can guess without going over. So I parked the car, okay, drove okay. the car. And, and this is what I did. I went in. I got a soda, and I got five chicken fingers or f- chicken tenders. Excuse me, with fries. What do you, What was What do you think the grand total was on that?
0: Wait, wait, how many tickets, Mike? Just, just you? Oh, all
3: right, we're not even talk tickets. All right, so let. Okay. All right, I'll tell you just right now. The Ford ticket, the ticket, the ticket was the biggest. Was the biggest uh, bargain in the whole thing. So I'm talking. I parked the car. Parked the car. I parked right, the car. I got five, five chicken, five chicken tenders with with fries. Actually, a soda. Forty-five bucks. All right, Mike's is forty-five. What do you oh, got? Oh, Wait,
2: including uh, the parking. Uh, I'll I'm going to sixty-five. Yeah, I was gonna say about sixty.
0: I'd say sixty. Okay. Grant Grant total
3: was fifty one dollars and ninety cents. Now even so more than that, I I had this I had this this little discussion with my daughter who doesn't understand what cash is because this is this this is a cashless society. So I went to park the car and I'm like, all right, thirty. I happen to I don't carry many of these, but I happen to have a crisp fifty dollar bill in my pocket because I said, you know what, I'm gonna park my car and I'm gonna buy, you know, so I hand the the, the young lady of fifty, and what does she say? We don't take cash, sir. Oh. So <laughs> so thankfully I had I had my card. But along with that, yeah, it's enough to drive you she insane. Didn't say okay, boom. No, did no, she didn't. Oh, thankfully, no, she did come not. On. But but uh, in you know in August whatever else I I, I would feel this way. Ter- but we we got to get some more people there. But where you run on Target, the the cost and sitting in your home, uh, well well worth the 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 price of admission to get your TV.
2: Right, we got uh, yeah, to get some you, football, if, my brother. Yeah, if you've
0: got, you got, you got a budget between going to a, uh, end of the end-of-the-season game and going to the playoff game, you're probably going to save up and just go to the playoff game. And thanks so much, guys. Really, All right. really
5: Thanks for we calling. We appreciate right? it, man. Thanks appreciate so much.
2: It. So huge giant game oh. today, Mike. Huge win. Giants now 3-1 and one on the season. We are actually going to have a football season in New York for the foreseeable future.
3: Amazing. You know, a lot of drama going on with the Giants today with with injuries. Daniel Jones runs two two touchdowns in early, then he gets hurt. Tyrod Taylor comes in, he gets hurt. Although generally Tyrod Taylor and gets hurt are, are always in the same, same sentence, sentence, no matter where the poor guy is. Uh, but but yeah, I mean huge. We, you had Saquon Barkley running a little wildcat because it, it was just it was exciting stuff. I don't care that the the, the Bears stink because they really do. But when, when we're talking three and one here after four games for, for our giants um you know just just out of the the hunt in the NFC East uh, it it's exciting stuff because yeah when's the last time that, that at this point we had the giants and jets you know at 500 or over you know four games into the season where there's a little juice in, you know left in the season
2: and Saquon Barkley did oh. something today i didn't think he was ever going to do and that's not run the wildcat um <laughs> carry over 30 times 30, in a ball game.
3: 31 carries 146 yards. Uh, you know his long was 29. He, he he'll he'll grind it out and then he breaks off big runs. You know, you'd love to see him get a touchdown or two just to not for fantasy stats but just even you know to to just get a little bit more um, excitement for him. But when 146 yards, I mean, my goodness. Um he he's doing the job if if not more. Um there's always that talk about comeback player of the year. I'm so happy to have him. I'm just happy for him because the guys work so hard.
2: Yeah, you know, Mike, I, I was listening to uh, another sports show on, on another station on the way here. There, there's another station. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. And this guy's going on about, oh, Daniel Jones always gets hurt. Daniel Jones always gets hurt. Well, did you see the play that he got <laughs> hurt on? The guy landed on his ankle because the Giants don't have guys that can block.
3: Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, if, if, if the New York Giants at any time during Daniel Jones' tenure had anyone who could block, I mean, sometimes I think the, the guys look like me and you out there who would just, you know, just throw us out there. If he had anybody who could block and give him some time, I mean, I, I'd, I'd really be, love to see what this guy can do. But he, like you said, this was not something where he's like the, you know, the Tin Man where he doesn't have any heart. He, he, he got, he got landed on and you know had run two balls in previous so uh, he's not soft i mean the guy's tough he just doesn't have anybody helping him out
2: and you mentioned tyrod taylor i mean listen obviously the guy compared to what we've had as backup quarterbacks the last few years the guy is is immortal uh but here's the thing you have to be smarter than that when you're scrambling and you know you're the last line of offense uh, if you will um, You cannot take those types of hits that he took in that game. So he's got to be just a little bit smarter than that. Um, I still have concerns about some of the guys on the offensive line. I mean, Andrew Thomas has rounded into a very good player. Evan Neal, I expect the same from eventually. But it's going to take a little while. Just like we saw with Thomas, Mike, Giant fans want Evan Neal to be Terrific in like his fourth game in the NFL, and and it's not going to happen. It takes some time,
3: absolutely not. And I I know you're talking about the line. I don't want to go negative here, but we do have to at least you know talk a little bit of reality here. Kenny Galladay and and Kadarius Tony. Uh, Kadarius Tony is he still on the team? First of all, does he is is he on the roster? So I mean, the the guy is he's I think he's got 400 yards in in two seasons, but Kenny Galladay one. One target today, for God. It's just, it's brutal, you know. And when you lose Sterling Shepard, who are we throwing the ball to?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Shepard was the only guy who we could even, without somebody laughing in our face, call a legitimate number one for the early part of the season, right? He gets hurt on the meaningless last play of the game against Dallas. And now we're throwing the ball to David Sills, who we both liked, who now <laughs> has been exposed. A little bit right yeah. he's sort of come back to earth sure richie james who had a nice start to the season but again it's not going to make anybody forget michael irvin or jerry rice I or, mean, let's be honest
3: or rick james
2: right <laughs> and, and i mean darius slayton who's been in mothballs for the better part of two seasons because he can't get out of the doghouse and 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 the dog with fleas the no. absolute dog with fleas that is kenny Galladay. i mean you know Daniel Jones should get a purple heart for, for playing the way he's played over the last couple games.
3: I could not agree with you more. I mean, it's, the, the guy, the guy's guts personified and when he has no offensive line and these guys he's throwing the ball to, as we just went through this whole laundry list of, of who's and what's and has-beens and who's nots, um, being three and one and, and at least, you know standing on his two feet he's got a he's got a bad ankle but um it's it's Yeoman's work and and let's not even talk about you know contract and is he the guy and all that stuff let's just enjoy the fact we're 3 and 1 you know despite the fact of of who's on that receiving core who's on the offensive line and then we got, we're able to get a guy like Saquon Barkley, who's the only other option, 146 yards in a win like this today.
2: Yeah. And the other thing that I really felt got pushed to the forefront in the Dallas game, not today, is the fact that the tight ends we have, um, while they are not going to be dropping passes like the last guy we had here, who we don't want to mention his <laughs> name, um, they can catch the ball, Mike, for 10, yes. 15 yards. But the thing is, is that when you, when you keep them in, to help pass protect against a good pass rushing team like Dallas. They can't block. No. I mean Myrick, um what's the guy's name? Bellinger and now this guy Hudson today, um who's the third string tight end. He had a good block on that uh, on the second one of uh, Jones's uh, scrambles for a touchdown. Uh but Of course, he negated that with a big drop later on the game. So I don't know what to make of the tight ends yet.
3: And if you could feel good about them blocking and then you bleed them out every now and again for something, then, you know, you you keep the the defense off balance. But if they're so weak blocking and you just have to keep them in hoping that they're going to keep some pressure off your quarterback, um, it, it makes things very one dimensional. So, you know, I didn't mean to get negative bringing up some of those names, but, um, you, you have to look at, at the Giants warts and all. But yeah, three and one, um, coming off you know a, a tough game against Dallas which which they were in it you know right right towards the end um and 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 good times ahead before we get to the Jets but um just just excited to be to be a giant fan in October for, and and just go hey you know, the season, the season is ahead of us, not behind us.
2: Oh, absolutely. Three and one. Dallas also three and one. Unfortunately for us, the only undefeated team to this point in the whole NFL happens to reside in our div- division and that's Philly. Um, couple things on the giant defense before we leave, uh, and go to the Jets. Mike, um, what a difference I thought it made today against Justin Fields to have a little bit of a pass rush, um, especially with, uh, with Thibodeau being in there and being pretty effective for most of the day.
3: That's the guy they drafted, and that's what you want. So once you put some pressure on a guy like Fields, then you can, you can leave your, your, your linebackers, you can bring somebody up from the secondary just to shadow him. So at least we're, we're keeping him, you know, somewhat in the pocket. Once he bleeds out, uh, you have some help behind it. So yeah, Thibodeau, uh, Showing signs of, of the guy that, that we drafted. And what, what have the Giants always been year after year? That, that pass rush, that solid big blue defense. Um, as, if we can get that going, then we're, we're going to be in good shape. But yeah, that, that was a great sign today.
2: And the guy I mentioned on the last show, I'll mention him again today. I'm sure you have the stats in front of you. Tay Crowder has been oh. doing a tremendous job at linebacker.
3: Just, just unbelievable. And, and, um, y- you know, where, where do you go from, from a guy, you know, pass rush, uh, Crowder, your secondary's doing the job. You know, even though the Bears don't, don't exactly remind you of, of, you know, the 85 Bears with, with a little bit of offense. You know, they, they have some guys that could, they can run and can throw and, um, they're, they're a solid NFL team and the Giants just, just did a great job of keeping them contained today. And, and even though the score, you know, 20, 20 to 12 is, is, is a one score game. I mean, really, it, I think the Giants were solidly in control of this game the entire
2: time. 516, 623, 40 Still got some time left, folks, to take your call. If you want to give us a buzz now, we'll talk some Jets. Big win today on the road for Gang Green, Mike, over Pittsburgh. And what I think was in play here was that um just Zach Wilson being back in the lineup and not have to worry about, hey, is it Flacco? Hey, is it Mike White? Are fans going to yell for Mike White? Are they going to want Flacco back? Just all that <laughs> emotional lift, I think, went some lengths towards – um being an emotional fire for this team today what you, about you
3: no i, I agree with you 100 i think you know zach wilson he he is he's the future of the franchise whether jet fans want to admit it or not or like it or not or you know he's back on the field so yeah he does bring that enthusiasm interesting that they're playing a game today against the steelers who for for forever it seems they're always established a quarterback pittsburgh you know you, you have Roethlisberger, who's been there forever. And they're the team that's kind of today we're in flux with Kenny Pickett and Trubisky and, and everything. So it was interesting to, to listen and to hear and to watch that kind of dynamic going back and forth and to have the Jets be the one that had their, st- their solid guy in ready to go. So I have the stats in front of me, 18 to 36. You know, not, again, nothing, nothing that, that jumps off the page there, but 252 yards, a touchdown. He had, you know, the two picks, but, um, they were going 50 attempts with Flacco earlier, the, yeah. right? So 36. Way too many. Wait, wait. Is, is really, you know, it, is it's pretty, pretty solid. Um, then you have Brees Hall, you know, 66 yards. He had a touchdown, so they were able to, to run the ball a little bit. So yeah, a, a, very effective, solid game for the Jets. 14 fourth quarter points. Um, and, and anytime you can come away with a road victory, especially in Pittsburgh, tough place to play. Um, you, you know, as a Jet fan, I'm sure Fireman, Fireman Ed there in, uh, <laughs> wherever he's from is 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 doing the jets down the street tonight
2: um the sequence before the half kind of bothered me a little bit um wilson made an athletic play scrambled out uh he got picked off down the field they turned the ball back over to pittsburgh but what troubled me was what ensued right before the half uh, the Jets got a roughing the passer penalty. It was our man Carl Lawson, who we both liked yeah. last year before he got hurt. And um, they put Pittsburgh right in field goal range. So I said, you know what, that's the kind of play that can really come back to bite you in the rear end at the end of a game like this.
3: Definitely. And, you know, we, we talked about this earlier in the year with, uh, with Coach Mike Westhoff about, the jets being very disciplined and robert salad bringing that um that solid kind of steady presence and those are the types of penalties that any team can't take but especially a team like the jets who can't afford to give up something like that. that's a great point
2: let's go to the phones we'll welcome in frank frank how are you what's up frank Good. First time, long time. <laughs> We've not been on for a long time. <laughs> well, well, welcome you know. to the show. Glad to have you. Want to talk some Jets? Go ahead.
5: Yeah, I, uh, it was such a refresher um, to see uh, Zach catch a pass in the end zone. I mean, oh
3: yeah, very special.
5: Ra- yeah, the the Jets rarely uh, engage in any razzle dazzle, so. It was nice to see them take a walk on the wild side and do something unpredictable, and uh, I think it really caught the Steelers off guard. So, I mean, just having Zach in the lineup just gave the team such a lift, and I thought he played really well, and the whole team played well. I mean, look, you know, they have some playmakers now on offense, they good wide receivers, good tight ends, um, two good running backs, and on defense, they're really coming along. You know, I think they've got some playmakers there, too. The offensive line is going to have to be a priority for them uh, in the offseason. They, and they got some good draft picks.
2: Corey so Davis, big, big game today. Five catches, 74 yards, a touchdown, to your point. And you know what, Frank? It's it's um, kind of strange to me that people are already all over Salah. Uh, I think Saul has been doing a really good job. How about you? Oh uh, yeah, I think he's been doing a good job. I think the defense
5: is really starting to come along. I think they've, um, you know, uh, they have some playmakers both on the line and uh, in the backfield. So I think they've really taken some steps forward. You know, it may not be as quickly as some people like, but it's a young team
3: it's a, it's a great point frank and you know i, I was I, again i have the luxury of having these stats in front of me but um you know jets gave up only well, only under under 300 yards 297 so that that lends itself to the point of what you're saying about their defense coming along the jets um but yeah with 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 wilson back there and catching the pass off so that that philly special play they call you know um in the end zone just, I guess, just the excitement as a Jet fan, I'm sure, just to have some youth back there that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, bring them, bring themselves into, uh, you know, modern day football where it's not just ground and pound or, or they have no chance or throwing the ball down. They've won, you know, two really exciting games this year. You gotta be very, very happy with that as a Jet fan moving forward.
5: Yeah, I think so. And especially since they do, uh, are banged up on the offensive line it's nice to have some mobility back there for, in Wilson. I mean, Flacco just looked, I, I hate to say it, you know, he played, had a good game, yeah. but uh, I think he just looks old and, and mobile back there, and teams realize that and are uh, keying on that. You know, they're really coming after him. That's uh, the thing. Zach back, Yeah, but with Zach back there, I think it's really, you know, um, they rolled him out. You know, um, you, you know, he improvised with his legs. You know, and he bought himself some time and kept his eyes downfield. I think that's the big thing with him now is that he's learning to move but keep his eyes downfield.
2: Yeah, we could create sort of a parallel between Jones and Wilson right now. They they both have you know sort of makeshift offensive lines, and because both of them are mobile and can um, and are athletic and can use their legs, uh, both of them can get themselves out of trouble. But Listen, yeah. Frank. We thank yeah. you so much for the call. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. All right.
5: Great to be on with you guys. Love the show. Thanks, Thanks Frank, so very much. much we'll call talk to you soon.
3: So, Mike, do we have any time to hit on uh, Brooklyn Nets media day with uh, <laughs> with Kyrie? <laughs> I, folks, if you if this is your first time listening to us, I just got to tell, I cannot let a show go by with at least dropping in one Brooklyn Nets reference to to my co-host and and. The guy who drives our, our machine here, the Trez man, because he is, he is, a, he's a Nets fan extraordinaire. The team's back. He's got to be excited. I'm a basketball guy, so we'll, we'll hit that. But yeah, I know we, I, I couldn't let it go by without at least one basketball reference to
2: Let me translate into English, folks. I made the mistake of letting Mike <laughs> Godone know that I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan and he's been on my rear end every moment of every show. No, I'm kidding with you, Mike. It's fine. You know, listen. I, I'm a Nets fan. I go back oh, to, hey. you know, I, I got you by a couple of years, so I go back to the, the Dr. J days. But listen, this was fun. It's a great, great time in New York sports. Without doubt. Yankees, Mets, Giants and Jets are both going to have a season. This was really a lot of fun. We thank Chris Caputo for coming on with us. We thank Declan. Uh We thank our callers, Ray and Frank. We thank Brian Graves, our producer, Another terrific job out of him. Andy Sukoff is next, Mike. He's going to carry you for the next hour from 9 to 10. For everybody here at Sports Talk New York, including Mike Adone. this is Mike Trezler thanking you for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Peace.
3: Expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent
0: those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.